Marcus Sahaba Online Radio Empowering the Ummah We're going to be talking about this presidential uh, report and you know it's it's a concern this of the failure the state's failure to protect the people during the mayhem now the report the presidential panel tasked with probing the July 2021's violent civil unrest and makes it clear they were unable to meet key players in the intelligence sector who would have shed better light on what happened. Now, we've been reading about this and we've been talking about this uh, quite at length recently. And I'm starting to wonder the state of South Africa. <clears throat> How safe are we? Because Clearly, government wasn't prepared. Clearly, government wasn't prepared for this one. Uh, but uh, let's not get my view. Let's get the views of the experts, Dr. Johan Berger of the Institute for Security Studies. Dr. Johan, good afternoon, and thank you for joining us. Thank you very much, and good afternoon. Dr., you know, uh, with the report coming out of uh, how the state failed to protect its people uh, during uh, this July unrest, I just, I, you know, it's it's playing on my mind. You know, had they known about it, just just for example, had they known about this pending uh, unrest a month in advance, would government still have been able to prepare? Would they still have been been if would they have at least been effective? Yeah, that's a very very good question, and and uh, I think it's a debatable issue. I uh, you know I I know the the so-called uh, joints, uh, the joint operational and intelligence structure have uh, proven itself over the years as, as quite uh, good at planning for what they refer to as major events. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the size of what we saw in KwaZulu-Natal with um, the large groups, I mean thousands of people um, descending on shopping malls and so on, uh, I think would have uh, been a huge, huge challenge for the police, even if they were well prepared for it. So uh, I, it's, a, it's a double-barreled question. I think if they did have uh, early intelligence uh, and they were able to plan for it, I think they have the ability, they have the structures in place uh, through the joints to, to to do this kind of, of planning. And if it was limited, uh, as it was uh, to some areas in KwaZulu-Natal, they would have been prepared, I think, to deal with it. My concern is if this was uh, spread all over the place in, uh, I mean, it was KwaZulu-Natal to some extent, Gauteng, mm-hmm. but if it uh, occurred in, in, in more provinces, I think then we were really in trouble. I, I doubt that we would have had the capacity to cover the whole geographical uh, area of the country if this thing was more widespread, in spite of the fact that there uh, was um, early intelligence. This is a very interesting response, and you actually opened my mind to that. And I didn't think, you know, uh, it was just uh, it was just KwaZulu Natal, like you rightfully said. And it's actually worrying to think what would have happened if it uh, was the whole of South Africa, because it took it took. What was the reason behind it taking so long for them to respond? 
Yeah, that's that, that's the question I think that we all struggled with. I what I what I find astonishing, and there I think the police leadership um, slipped up really, really badly. And uh, you know, the national commissioner and the minister have been accusing each other of who is responsible. But just back to the basic uh, problems that we saw uh, prior to the arrest of Mr. Zuma. The police have deployed a number of the public order police units from other provinces in and around uh, Tandla, and many of those units were uh, unseen. They were not visible because they were uh, placed in in areas uh, relatively close, but not visible uh, at Tandla. And after uh, uh, Mr. Zuma uh, agreed to hand him over to the police and he was removed from the scene, um, one or two of the units remained in place for a few hours just to ensure that uh, everybody dispersed properly and so on. But the other units uh, started packing up their stuff and they returned to the home base. In other words, to the provinces where they come from. Mm-hmm. Now, they would still have been on their way, in other words, on route to their home bases when the explosions happened in terms of the, 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 the violence and the looting. And one would have thought that the message would have uh, gone to them uh, immediately to turn them around. Because keep in mind, the public order police units are the only units really equipped, trained, and capable of dealing with large groups of people without using uh, deadly force. So what is astonishing to me is that apparently none of those units received any instruction to turn around and go back. They kept on going back, and this is why they responded so very, very late in terms of um, large enough deployments to deal with uh, with the violence, the rioting, and, and the looting, and so on. So there was a huge vacuum, a gap um, between what happened there and the ability of the police to redeploy their forces in the uh, affected areas. So um, we still don't know what precisely was the reason why they were unable to return uh, uh, sooner. Mm-hmm, definitely. And, Johan, I just want to digress a little bit here because we've seen, obviously, that uh, the reaction uh, from the state was very slow. This reaction from uh, who we expected uh, to come to, uh, to to the rescue of South Africans was very slow. And we've seen community uh, uh, initiatives come up to protect the areas, and we've seen them getting a bit of a backlash. And I found this uh, a bit uh, interesting because... Uh, and this was brought up in one of the, our discussions where, uh, you know, police always, uh, now I'm just talking hypothetically, uh, uh, something happens in an area, the the community deals with it, the police comes later, instead of dealing with the crime, they want to know who are the people responsible for dealing with this. So this sort of reaction was at a larger scale in terms of, uh, you know, communities getting together and protecting their neighborhoods. And there was very little action. Well, I feel like there was less energy spent on getting the perpetrators or, or the initiators of this riots and uh, focusing on those individuals who were trying to protect the communities. Yeah, you're right. Uh, you know, to some extent, I, I think... The, uh, let's just start with the with the basics. 
every person and every community has a right to protect themselves and their property. I don't think that can ever be in dispute. I think what was in dispute uh, in, in uh, certain areas in, in KZN uh, was the fact that uh, some members of some communities apparently um, uh, used um, more violence than is justified in law to do so, in other words, to protect themselves and their property. Uh, and and according to the official reports, uh, a large number of the people that died during those few days in July died as a result of community actions. Now, I don't want to express an opinion on that. I'm just saying what the law allows you to do. The law allows you to protect yourself and your property, but you can only use deadly force. For example, when your life or the lives of others in your immediate vicinity is directly threatened. And the arguments or the accusations against some of those community members uh, at the time was that they used more force than as uh, than allowed um, by by law that they overstepped the boundaries of the law in that in that instance now as far as that is concerned i think you know the police would be justified to investigate mm-hmm. but i would agree with you that one gets the impression that the the police were um very very quickly to um react to the actions of communities and members of communities uh but we're not as quick when they had to act to protect those communities and, 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 and members of those communities. So to that extent, I think they neglected the, the uh, duties and now they blame uh, community members for uh, taking on the responsibility that in the first place lies with the police. Mm-hmm. So that is a very, very contentious uh, uh, issue and, and I think something that would probably have to be discussed, uh, you know, as, as we um, consider what happened uh, in addition to the report that was released, but specifically in terms of what can communities do, uh, you know, what are the boundaries of uh, what they are allowed in terms of law, uh, and, 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 and when would they then overstep those boundaries? And, and so, but yeah, so it's, uh, it's, it's quite a huge debate. Uh, it really is, uh, and and I think uh, this was going on. And it's it's people are still people are still sort of traumatized by this. And Dr. Johan, uh, I need to ask you this: you go, we've seen we've seen the reaction quite slow, and now the magnifying glass is on the state. Uh, the the magnifying glass is on uh, the security cluster to say, are you competent enough? And it's starting to look like uh, they weren't prepared. Had the situation, had they known about the situation, they wouldn't have been prepared. And now a question arises. If something like this happens again, or maybe to a larger extent, like you mentioned earlier, will the state be able to protect the civilians? Yeah, now, again, you know, I've got two answers to that question. The first is I think the police have acknowledged that they are not properly uh, prepared to deal with situations as, such as that. Um, the minister announced uh, not too long ago that the police are um, preparing to recruit and train police officials uh, specifically 
to deal with this kind of situation. Now, that alone, I don't think, would be adequate. Uh, with all due respect to the minister, I don't think that is going to be adequate. Um, that brings me to the second part of my question, and that is that no country would be able to, uh, or well, uh, at least very few countries in the world, would be able to suppress uh, large-scale rioting uh, that results from... Um, uh, the neglect of the masses of people. And, and to this extent, the report points to the fact that, um, you know, all these years there have been millions of people uh, living in, in, in squalor, in squatter communities, in neglected areas where they have uh, very little or no proper housing no uh, uh, um, or completely inadequate uh, municipal services. And then as, as the economy uh, became um, uh, under, under uh, developed, you know, so, so as, as the economy weakened. Now, the economy started weakening long before the uh, pandemic started in, in 2020. And the, the pandemic simply worsened the situation. So the plight of those uh, ne neglected communities have become much worse than it was before. And Everyone who's ever studied revolutions will know that um, under uh, those conditions, there's resentment, there is dissatisfaction, and this builds up and becomes worse. People become frustrated, and they hear the promises made that their situations will be improved. It doesn't happen. So increasingly, uh, the frustration and the anger builds up to a point where it reaches um, a, a bursting point, mm -hmm. a point of, of natural explosion, if you want. Now, this can happen in two ways. You can have a spontaneous uh, eruption of this kind of, of, of anger and frustration that, that then develops into, into um, you know, all kinds of violence, such as rioting and, and uh, what follows with rioting, uh, such as looting and so on. But it can also be exploited. And there are indications that the situation in KwaZulu-Natal was a situation where uh, the report refers to a, a tinderbox. Now, it's the same thing. As, as, as a revolutionary potential. It's a tinderbox. So um, those who understand this, and apparently they were crime intelligence or for the former uh, uh, intelligence operators uh, involved in, in exploiting this situation, all they did is bring a flame to the tinderbox. Mm. So, so unless and until government, in association with uh, organized uh, business, uh, find a way to uh, grow our economy to the extent that they can uh, both feed the fiscus, but also provide uh, uh, employment and deal with poverty issues. This potential that I'm referring to is going to become worse, and the risk of either a spontaneous eruption of violence of the nature that we saw 
or uh, a further um, exploitation of this, as we saw in KZN, uh, uh, is bound to happen. And when this happens on a wider scale than we saw in KwaZulu-Natal, it really can become beyond the capabilities of the state to deal with in terms of its security services. Well, definitely, Johan, and you know, it's just, I just have the sinking feeling, and I hope never to be proven right, but I just feel like, you know, South Africa, with the political situation, uh, it's 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 not that good, and we're hoping the State of the Nation address will put us a bit more ease, but I just feel that uncertainty in politics leaves you with that uncomfortableness, because, you know, uh, maybe maybe we got off lucky this time to see it at such a small scale, uh, but uh, it is... It is uh, somewhere on the cards that, or not somewhere on the cards, or maybe, uh, you know, a possibility that uh, something like this could happen again. And I hope it boils out. It boils down at the end of the day to a political unrest uh, as well and dissatisfaction with government. And I think that's a whole other topic on its own. But it leaves you a bit uh, uneasy, you know, and it leaves you a bit worried. But Johan, we thank you for taking out time of your day to speak to us and uh, elaborate a bit uh, about this because uh, making the situation and making this uh, or making us understand, have a better understanding of what happened and where we stand as South Africans. Johan, we say thank you once again for speaking to us. Thank you. Thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of your day. Have Bye-bye. a great day. Good thank afternoon. You. You know what? It, it's, it's, it's sort of worrying. Eh? Seriously, if you look at it, if you look at it, us as South Africans, what happens, you know, because at the end of the day, it is politics. Let's, let's, let's lay it out there. <clears throat> what if it's infighting between the ANC and they say, right, this is a political move. And uh, the Zuma faction says, right, guys, uh, and I'm not blaming anybody. Maybe it was uh, rioters used this whole uh, political situation to um, use this political situation to uh, get uh, to 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 get up to their mischief so you never know you never know with south africa eh? it's a very interesting situation indeed state of the nation address we're looking forward to it uh, to see what is happening there and how that is going to be panning out marcus sahaba online radio empowering the ummah 